0: need the gospel. Last Sunday we saw that Paul said I am not ashamed of the gospel and today we will see that we all need the gospel. Have you ever wondered why people keep themselves away from Jesus Christ? It's because either they feel that they don't need him or they have not come to that realization that their need of him, or just their unwillingness to say that yes I need Jesus you know Jesus he told the teachers of the law it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick <clears throat> I have not come to call the righteous but sinners when Jesus said this He did not mean that some people are righteous so that they don't need the doctor. Jesus did not mean that. What Jesus meant was, some people think that they are righteous so they don't come to me. In fact, Jesus said, all need Jesus. That's what he meant by this. You know, we always go to the doctor when we feel that there is a need. You know, if we think that we can cure ourselves, we will not go to the doctor. So only when we realize, yes, I'm sick and I have to take his help, we go to the doctor. Some people insist, I'm not so bad, I'm not so bad that I need Jesus. After all, I don't murder, I don't commit murder. So I don't need Jesus, I don't need That's how they feel. But it should not be our business to induce some kind of guilt feeling in them. We should never do that. But what the Bible says is, sin and guilt are universal. You know, irrespective of the country to which you go or irrespective of the place you were born, the Bible says sin and guilt are universal. So if sin and guilt are universal, you cannot leave people just like that. You need to rescue them. You know, if I go to the doctor and I, I have pain in the back and I go and tell doctor, doctor, the reason for the back pain is because there's something problem with my stomach and if doctor agrees with my wrong diagnosis, he's not a good doctor. In the same way, just because people think that they know Jesus and we feel them in that condition, it's not a good thing. What we need to do is, we need to pray for them. We need to pray that people will come to the realization. It is only the grace of God. It's only if they know one of the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our sin. So we need to pray, we need to teach That's the only way we can bring people to God Shall we all rise to our feet For the scripture reading taken from the book of Romans Chapter 1 We will read it from We will read from verse 16 onwards 16 to 25 Romans chapter 1 Verses 16 to 25. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that's by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator, which is forever Praise. amen. This is God's word, kindly be seated. If you want to understand the book of Romans it's important for us to understand the initial chapters very well. Now even to understand this message we need to understand the flow of thought that goes from verse 16 to verse 20. If we have to put it in a dialogue format it goes something like this. Paul says, I am not ashamed Of the gospel. That's what he says in verse 16. Now the question is. Why not Paul? And Paul answers. Because it is the power of God. For the salvation. Of everyone. Who believes. Then how so Paul? Then Paul says. Because in the gospel. A righteousness from God. Is revealed. That is God's way of justifying sinners. Why is this necessary Paul? If you raise that question, Paul is answering because the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now the next question is How do they suppress their wickedness, Paul? And Paul answers, because what may be known about God is plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen. In other words, he says, no human has an excuse to say, I don't know you because you did not reveal yourself to me. That's the way Paul says. So how do we understand this passage? The first thing Paul says in the passage is the anger of God is being revealed. The anger of God is being revealed. I know we find it difficult even to hear because all too often we hear the love of God, the love of God but very rarely we get to hear the anger of God because in verse 18 Paul says The wrath of God, you know, God is furious, is angry, is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Paul is saying, the gospel is not there only to make us happy. Uh, In fact, if we are only looking for happiness, uh, you know, it's not the good way for living. Probably, I don't know how many of you have read the book by Victor Frankel, The Meaning of Life uh, or The Search for Meaning. You know, Victor Frankel had a possibility of escaping uh, the Germans. He could have flown to uh, America. Everything was ready for him, but he said. How can I leave my people? He read the Bible and he said no. And he did not go. Ultimately, he was in prison uh, along with his father and his wife. And he was in the concentration camp. And he was a doctor by profession. And he was observing people in the concentration camp. And uh, uh, his father and his wife were killed in the concentration camp. But he, he escaped that. And when he came out, he wrote this book in just in twelve days. He wrote this book. Basically, it's his observation about how people endure and how people perish. And then he comes to the conclusion: if we are if we are living in this world only for the sake of happiness, we will not be able to live. But if we understand the divine purpose, then we will be able to live in this world. That's his conclusion. And then he goes on to write his theory. So in other words, gospel is not there only to make us happy. If only happiness to make to feel good. It's not just that feel good. Yes, it is true. You know, it is true. When you come to Jesus, there is joy, there's no doubt about it. But you will, you will not understand the full meaning of the salvation because we, we will understand the extent to which Jesus has gone to rescue us from God's wrath. It's important for us to understand. For the wages of sin is We all know that verse. We know that verse. For the wages of sin is death. But when we realize The eternal condemnation that awaits every human being. Everyone. Everyone. And God chose us. He has rescued us from that. Only when we understand that, then gospel becomes something, you know, it gives you a purpose in this world. You know, Paul's confidence, joy, and passion for the gospel rest on the assumption that all human beings, apart from the gospel, are under God's wrath. All human beings, whether it is my wife or it is my son or it is my daughter or anyone, all all, all, whether it is my father, brother, sister, all of us are under God's wrath. Apart from the gospel, there is no escape. We might say this person is good, that person is good, he did so many good things. All that we can say just to satisfy ourselves. But apart from the gospel, we are all under God's wrath. And Paul, understanding, knowing that what Jesus has done for him. So he says, you know, I no longer live but Christ lives in me. Because he understands what Jesus has done for his life gospel should excite us, thrill us you know that gives us the purpose in this world, today if you have breath and if you have the gospel there is a purpose for each one of us, that's why Paul is saying we need to understand you know, it is not you no know, Paul did not say God's wrath will be revealed, Paul did not say Paul said God's wrath is being revealed Paul did not say, at the second coming of Jesus, God's wrath will be revealed. What Paul says in this place is, Paul, God's wrath is being revealed. Now, if God's wrath is being revealed right in 2019, then the question that we need to answer is, why is it being revealed? And how is it being revealed? Why is it being revealed? And how is it being revealed? So let's see. Why is it being revealed? Why is it being revealed? You know, Paul's answer is. What makes God angry is godlessness and wickedness. Godlessness and wickedness. Godlessness precedes. Godlessness comes first and that entails wickedness. Sometimes we think wickedness comes first, but the order is wherever there is no God, wickedness will come. If you, you can think about your own life, your own thought process, whenever you did not if you do not bring God into the picture, you know you can always be sure there's wickedness. You know it is God, with with God, God alone can bring life and wherever there is absence of God, there is wickedness. Now what people do is, they cannot keep God away from their lives because God is everywhere. God is all powerful. Just because I don't want to have God in my life, it doesn't mean I can push God like this. I cannot push God like this. But I don't want God. So what do I do? I lead my life in such a way as though God does not exist. I can pursue my career. I can pursue my ambition. I can be successful in this life. Keeping God away from my life. That is Godlessness. That is Godlessness. And that's what Bible says. You know, God's wrath is being revealed only because of Godlessness and wickedness. You know, what happens when we keep God away from us? You know, the first thing that happens is your vertical relationship with God is destroyed. Godlessness is what? You have no connection with God. So, Godlessness is I no longer have any relationship with God, vertical relationship. Now, whenever this vertical relationship is ruptured, it's broken, what happens is horizontal relationship also breaks. That is why when there is no godlessness there will be wickedness. Whenever this relationship with God is broken all that you can expect is only wickedness around you. You know there will be disregard for human justice. Like you know there will be no consideration for love. There will be no consideration for truth. There will be no consideration for justice. Where God is not there, you can be very sure there'll be no love, there'll be no justice, there'll be no truth. Our when vertical relationship is destroyed, it is bound to affect horizontal relationship. It is not something new. You know, when we read in Romans, it, you know, we find it difficult. What is this godlessness? What is this wickedness? Jesus said. The most important, the very first commandment is what? Love God. Jesus said, love God. If you love God, you have God. If you don't love God, that is what Paul says, godlessness. And then, love your neighbor. The second commandment is love your neighbor. That's what? If you love God, you will love others so there will be no wickedness. If you don't love God, you don't care about others. You don't care about love. You don't care about truth. You don't care about justice. So all the relationship will be strained. So that's what Paul is saying. Godlessness and wickedness. When we read as godlessness and wickedness, we find it difficult to understand. But when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as you love Yes, sir. That's what Paul explains. Godlessness and wickedness. Now, Paul understands this. You know, the moment I said God, the God, God's wrath is being revealed because of godlessness and wickedness. Paul understands people will immediately object. People will say, Paul, there are so many people who don't know about God. How can you blame them? Paul understands. Paul understands all our human excuses. So Paul answers, immediately Paul says, it is not that people don't know the truth, they suppress the truth. It's not that people don't know the truth, but they suppress the truth. He says in verse 20, for since the creation of the world, not from the time these people were born, even before these people were born, since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse no human has an excuse before God to say, God I did not know you because you did not reveal yourself to me nobody will have that excuse because it says since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities have been revealed you know in verse 21 he goes on to say that all human beings everywhere and in all times knew God, all human beings right from Noah's time or right from Adam's time, all human beings everywhere and in all times they knew god they knew god because god made it so plain it is not an algebra it's not a difficult subject god made it so plain that everyone can understand god creation shows that there is a god of eternal power you know, you know everyone looks at the sun moon star you know you see the river you see the wind You see the creator thing. So the creation reveals that there is a God of eternal power and divine nature. It reveals, it reveals. You know, we all know that there is a creator. We all know there is a creator. I'm sure all of us know there is a creator on whom we are utterly dependent and to whom we are completely accountable. All of us, this is not a difficult thing. All of us will agree, even a child will agree, that there is a creator. There is a creator. And on whom we are utterly dependent, and to whom we are completely accountable. In other words, we know God from creation. We may not know everything about God. For example, to see God's love and mercy. Probably creation is not the best thing. But we know when we look at the sun, we look at the moon, when we look at the stars, there is a powerful being who has created this. Nobody can say the sun has come on its own, the moon has come on its own. You cannot say that. You know, so you can have different theories how creation came into being, but you cannot say that it came into being on its own. Whether you believe in a big bang theory or whatever your evolution, whatever it is, you, you can, you know, discuss about that. But one question that's a subtle question is, there is a powerful being behind this creation. Nobody can deny that fact. If you are open, if you are honest with ourselves, we will say, this wouldn't have come on its own. Sun cannot come on its own. Moon cannot come on its own. So somebody is there somebody definitely more powerful than me somebody who can think better than me is there to have brought this into existence that's what paul says and we will never understand ourselves or we will never understand the world better till we come to that realization there is a creator god there is a creator god everyone all human beings you know they, they have no excuse so that's the reason you know it's being revealed now how is it being revealed how is God's anger being revealed because he said God's ra is being revealed we saw why is it being revealed why it is being revealed because people suppress the truth suppress the truth you know I can manage my life on my own Now, how is it being revealed? Paul says, every human being knows there is a God. Okay. Every human being knows there is a God. And Paul says, they suppress the truth and they don't glorify God and give thanks to Him. They just don't glorify God and give thanks to Him. See, verse 21, it says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened when you read this verse it looks like you know you a very sadistic father because he gave a gift and the child forgot to say thank you and the father wants to punish that child it sounds like that because nor gave thanks this god is is it because of my bad manners that god is punishing me Because I forgot to say thank you, so God became angry, so He's going to destroy me. It looks like that when you read this verse, but Paul is saying something else. What He's saying is, we take what God has made and pass it off as our own. If you are, in a, if you have done some research paper, the first thing they'll tell you is avoid plagiarism. Plagiarism is you copy from a book and you show it as though you have written. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. You take what God has created and you pass it on as though you have created. Let me explain that a little further. We'll, and as we go down, we will understand that. We say that, you know, without, I told you that without God we cannot exist. But because of godlessness we keep God away and we try to do things and we think we have done it. That's what Paul says in this uh, phrase. We are not grateful to God because of what he has done for us. Now, Paul says, what happens? Okay, I forgot to say thank you, God. I did not glorify God. So what happens? So what? I worked hard. I created this. I have made this. I have brought this all. So what? I forgot to say thank you. That's all, no? I did not glorify God. Paul says, when we do like this, you know, it is not we stop worshipping God it's not that when I say, I, you know, I don't give thanks to God or when I don't glorify God, it's not that I stop worshipping God Actually, instead of worshipping God, I worship the created thing That's what Paul is explaining in this place We, It's not that we stop worshipping, we change the object of worship When we don't glorify God when we don't give thanks to God, it is not we stop worshipping God, we stop worshipping. What we do is we change the object of worship. How do we change the object of worship? Paul says they exchange the glory of immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and It's not that they have stopped worshipping God. They are worshipping the created things. That's why Paul says, they exchange the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. You know, in verse 25, it will say that instead of worshipping the true God, people worship and serve created things rather than creator, people do that. The reason being, we all must worship something. We must worship something. As human beings, we are called as telic creatures. Telic means, it comes from a Greek word, telos, telos is purpose. That's why in the beginning, you know, you have the word logos. It comes from that. You know, there's telos. We all have a purpose. As human beings, if you take the purpose out from a man, he will die. But you give a purpose even to a dying man, he will fight and live. If a man has a purpose to live in this world, he will live. That's what Viktor Frankl's research was all about. That even in the concentration camp, when they could realize the divine purpose, they could withstand the concentration camp. They could. Not that uh, you know, they were able to endure that much of difficulty with strength. But the moment there is no purpose, so they all perished. So he will talk about, you know, he will talk about the American society and he will say they are looking after happiness and so that is a society that slowly destroys itself because there is no divine purpose. You know, your, your purpose and my purpose has to come from a divine object, then only it will have an eternal purpose. We all can have purpose on our own in this world. We can create our own purpose. But the moment we have a divine purpose for our lives, it will have an eternal purpose. So that's what he says. That we'll see sometime later. What Paul is saying is, the moment we replace God, it's not that we have stopped worshipping God, We worship something else. Now, whatever thing we worship, we will will serve that thing. We will worship means we will also serve that thing. Paul talks a lot about idolatry. And the moment we talk about idolatry, we only think of images maybe they made images of birds animals like that No, what Paul is talking is whenever God is replaced I can replace God from my life with my spouse I can replace God from my life with my family with my education with my achievements I can replace God all these things are capable of replacing God from my life you know, I think I, I'll, I'll give you a simple uh, test for all of us. If God calls us for full time missions, how many of us can say, I'm ready? How many of us can say, I'm ready? After all, I, I'm here for a divine purpose, and that purpose has been assigned by whom? God. So He knows. So if He calls me, I'm ready. You know, my question is, you know, I'm not married, I'm meant to marry, I'll marry and come. You know, my child, his child is studying, I'll let my child child finish my studies, then I'll come. I'm having a job, just as John. I'm not trying to find fault. What I'm trying to say is, you know, often we don't find full-time missionaries. Jesus said, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are... Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his very If you are worshipping God and his purpose is so supreme in our lives, we all will be ready to say, God, here I am. Here I am. You realize? You know, that, that's the place we have come to worship him completely. You read any missionary's biography, you will realize they gave up everything because God was supreme in their lives. You know, when when God becomes 100% my object of worship, nothing will come between God and me. I'm worshiping God. That's what God said. Jesus said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. When I love God like that, my wife cannot come in between. My ministry cannot come in between. Ministry can replace God from my life. Ministry can replace so I need to be careful if my object of worship is hundred percent God my ministry will not come my reputation will not come my children will not come my past achievements will not come nothing will come it is God and me it's God and me Paul says that's what Paul says you know should there is a default mode that keeps replacing God from our lives the reason being, when God created this world, He said everything as very good. Very good. God did not say the world is bad. God did not say this is bad, that's bad. When He created everything is very good. So the created things are good. Good things. So we pursue not bad things. We pursue good things. Instead of pursuing God 100%, we pursue Good things. So, Paul, what Paul says is, the human heart loves to make a good thing into a God thing. The human heart loves to make a good thing into a God thing. Your spouse is a good thing in your life. Your child is a good thing in your life. Your job is a good thing in your life. Your accomplishment is a good thing in your life and we can always make this good thing into a God thing, and we need to be careful. You know, Paul says, whenever we change this, something happens in the created order. If I instead of worshipping God, if I worship my ministry, my ministry becomes important for me, something happens in the created order. That's why there's so much of chaos in this world. Because God did not pray chaotic conditions in this world you know because we human beings have rebelled against God and instead of worshipping God we have started worshipping the creator things there is so much of chaos in this Mm -hmm. world you know we do not worship the creator we worship the creator so Paul says from God's perspective when we start doing like this he calls us as fools irrespective of our achievements we may be the prime minister of a country we may be CEO of a company we may be great people written volumes of books but when we have something else as an object of worship God calls us as fools now how has this happened? so Paul says Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. You know, without God, there is no hope for this world. Without God. There there, there are no moral absolutes. In fact, the moment you keep God away from, if I keep God away from my life, you know, then I become God to decide what is right, what is wrong. Without God, there is no reference point for all of us. Without God, just because the entire society is telling this is right, it doesn't become right. You know, if you you read about slavery, what has happened in the recent past. For 300 years, Christians in America, they believed slavery is okay. They even quoted some biblical verses, they quoted it out of context. Context and justified slavery is right. Just because these Christians said slavery is right, it doesn't make it right. So just because majority of people say something is right, it doesn't become right. Only when we go to God and worship him, we will understand what is right, what is wrong. Now, God's wrath is being revealed. If God's wrath is being revealed 27th January 2019 is being revealed every day. God's wrath is being revealed. Now, what is the result of that? How do we understand that? What is the result? If God's wrath is being revealed today, what is the result of it? You know, Paul says, God's wrath, that is, God's judgment on godlessness and wickedness. Is to give us what we want. God's judgment on godlessness and wickedness is to give us what we want. That's what Paul says because in verse 24 he says, therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their Whenever God gives something that our heart desires, you know what happens? Our heart desires more, much more, little more. If not this, that. Whenever God gives into our heart's desires, we will always be wanting more and more. You know what Paul says, actually the word, if you read the Greek word, Desires is epithumia that is the Greek word epithumia if you see the meaning of that word it's about over desire and all controlling drive and desire over desire I somehow I should have this you know Paul says when there is godlessness and wickedness God hands us over or God gives us what we desire the most In other words, what Paul says is the main problem of our heart is not so much desires for bad things, but our over desires for good things. The main problem of our heart is not so much desires for bad things, but our over desires for good things. Our turning of recreated good things into God's objects of our worship and service. Is it true? Is it true? The Bible also says if you desire the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Is, 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 is it wrong? Or is, mm-hmm. you know, Buddha said that the desire is the root cause of everything is not saying something new. It's, it's about our over desires for good things. Uh, let me just put it, give you an example. <clears throat> take a man who worships his career. Now, most of you are working, so let us take that uh, career as an example. This man he thinks. Now, now I have just joined as a software engineer when I become a CEO of a company, my goodness, I have achieved all my dreams. So, he works, he works. His desire is all about his job. You know, that's one thing that drives him is not Sunday morning worship, but Monday when he has to go to the office, it drives him. I want to go, I want to accomplish, I want to do something with my life. You know, that's what drives him and that is what dominates him. Because his job is over-desired. And what happens? You know what happens? The worst thing that can happen to him is promotion. The worst thing that can happen to a person like him is promotion. Why do I say that? You know, he might say, See, God has blessed me. I have to go and give a thanks offering also because God has blessed me, He has given me a promotion. You know, that was His over desire, and God gave that over desire. You know, and what happens is I He thinks heart of heart, now I know I have made my life. I have made my life. Now not only I can learn for my wife, I will earn for generations to come so they don't have to worry because I know what I am, I am a powerful man. You know what happens in the process? In the process, it enables him to forget the wreckage he's making of his marriage, his family, his friendship, all because he wanted to pursue his God. That's what Paul is telling in this portion. Now Oscar Wilde said when God God's wish to punish us they answer our prayers. When the gods he's not a Christian so don't take that quote. When the gods wish to punish us they answer our prayers. The worst thing that God can do to us is allowing us to pursue our desires, what I want, not what God wants in and through my life, but what I want, that's the worst thing, when that is what, uh, that's what Paul calls it as idolatry, idolatry is not something you have made an image in your house, the image that's inside you, inside me, and I pursue it, that is God. If today my job is gone, I am gone. I am devastated. Gone. Finished. If I am demoted in my job, gone. My self-identity is gone. Everything is gone. You realize we have made these things as an idolatry. And that's what Paul says. You know, we need to be careful. And that is the result of God's wrath. Whenever we do this, whenever we pursue our own things, our own desires, I said, we are all created beings and if we have been created by God, we have a divine purpose and instead of pursuing divine purpose, when we pursue our purpose and that becomes our focal point, our main point of existence what happens is, something happens in the created order when God created this world, it was beautiful, it was wonderful So God created, something happens to the fabric of creation. If you are thinking about your claw, the fabric of creation, something happens to that. And whenever we sin, it causes breakdowns. Spiritually, psychologically, socially, and physically. You know, if we think, if, if we think that, created order when God created this universe if something it was a fabric like this if we just assume this is the way God has created the world you know every time we sin we may not be realizing what we do to this created order there may be some black spots you know there may be some holes Every time we do something, something happens to the created order. Something happens. We don't realize. There is a realm that God has created. What happens when we sin or when we change the object of worship? We may think we are successful but something is happening to the creation order. Something. We are tearing something that God has made. If we don't worship God, instead of God we worship the creator things. If God doesn't become the most important object of our worship, instead of that even if my ministry becomes important, I may be speaking about God, but I am disturbing the creator order. And God has kept us as remnant so that we worship God. As we worship God, all these holes will become you know, it will be mended God is restoring his created order God is restoring it and right now you know, when, a day will come when things are torn beyond anybody's repair and that, that's what happened in Noah's time that's what happened in Noah's time Jesus said when God said to the Israelites their wickedness have not end," come to that level when I can take you to the promised land. When we sin, we don't even realize. When we change the object of a worship, we don't even realize. We may be telling God is blessing us. But in, in, in reality, we may be pursuing our own desires. We may be committing sin in secret. But remember, our secret sin is destroying the fabric. That's why God's people are so important for His purpose. We need to worship our God as God. That's why Jesus said the first and the foremost commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That is the first important commandment. And the second most important love your neighbor as you love yourself unknowingly unknowingly I keep thinking to myself we come from a country where 330 million gods are there and we somehow if we don't process our thoughts carefully they have a God for wealth so when we become rich we think God is truly blessing us because they had a God of wealth, A God of education. All these things are good things. Money is good. Education is good. Accomplishment is good. You know most of the Nobel prizes are gone to people who worship our God. There's nothing wrong with that. Most of the discoveries. There's nothing wrong. But when we make them into gods that's what God says becomes an idolatry. That is godlessness and wickedness. It should be our desire, Lord, I want to worship you, O God. That's the only way we can avoid God's wrath, which is being revealed right now. So, I want to make one big application. How do we avoid God's wrath? How do we avoid God's wrath? Paul gives a clue in verse 25. He says, the creator should be forever praised Amen. The creator should be forever praised. Amen. How do we do that? It is to continue to praise God, to depend on him, and to say, have your way in my life. What will we accomplish? Give God the due glory. O oh God, not my strength, not my abilities, but your grace. Give God the due glory glory that is due to him and to desire him more than anything in this world. I desire him more than my success, more than my reputation, more than my name, more than my fame. I desire him. I desire him. When we come to that place, we avoid God's wrath. That's why God has shown his love in and through his son Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. We come to a place where we can join Paul and say, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith because he loved me and gave himself for me. Understanding the love of Jesus, meditating on the cross and knowing him more and more. It is Jesus making God as God over our lives. You know, the world, the society in which we live actually conditions us to make our achievements, to make money, to make our education as God. We need to resist that. I'm not saying we should not study. In fact, you should be the best people who should excel in your job, but don't make the job as your God. That's what I'm trying. We need to be careful because the line is very thin. We need to, the way we work itself should change. We are in Eden, Garden of Eden, and we should learn to worship God in and through our world. Otherwise, we live in a place where we believe work is God. Work is not God. Work is not God. That's what the culture will say. The society will say work is God. It all sounds nice, but that is not what the scripture says. God is God. Work is not God. God is God. Giving God that due honor and due glory that is, that's what we are called to do and we should be careful as the worship team comes forward. Shall we all sing the song? Oh let the son of God enfold me as an act of prayer.